my boys um, because practicing at home, it's just like everyone go to the sound, and they all they like both rush in wherever I'm practicing. So, uh, so I got them a Nuvo baritone, and they they love it, and um, they can throw it halfway across the room and pick it up and keep playing. So uh, they love it. I. I think people people try to look too much into it and think that right. you know it's going to be like a travel practice form, which it is, it is absolutely not. But for a four-year-old and an almost two-year-old, it's perfect. And and does it it produces solid pitches and everything? Pretty solid. I mean, I kind of like the the intonation is kind of similar to like a one of those like Civil War era horns that you know like all the the partials are just kind of like. They are strongly pulling in whatever direction they want to go, but it's still... That's cool. You know, it, That's it, sounds still, a, it, it sounds so much like those things where like, I don't know if you guys have seen the, like the TikToks of this, where people would be like, I'm annoyed with my cat getting on my laptop, but they say it's mirroring you. Right, so a lot of people will get them like a toy laptop to put beside them, so the cat, you know, it sits on the. That's what it sounds like. Like, oh, I'm gonna get them their own baritone, so that like stop getting to me while I'm trying to practice mine. Yeah, yeah, because mine is rather expensive, and I don't want them pulling on it. But they can, they can beat the whatever out of that thing, and it seems to be just fine. <laughs> that's awesome. I, I literally just, I, I saw that picture right before logging in here. I'm like, oh. I remember when they first came out with those Nouveau instruments, I was working for music and arts and, um, as like a sales rep. And those are the new hot items for recorders. I mean, because yeah. they have, they actually have finger pads for people that have small fingertips and stuff. They're pretty neat. They're pretty yeah. neat. Yeah. I like it. That's awesome. All right. So no, so if we need a sponsor, yeah, we there we first, go. We have, our, we, have, we have our first one right now. Hashtag not an ad. Hey, everybody. Yeah. Welcome to the New World Brass Cast. I'm your host this evening, Aaron Campbell. Uh, New World Brass Cast. Brass Cast being one word. We uh, deliberated quite heftily <laughs> on that and have arrived. That is, it is going to be one word. So help us God. I'm joined as always <laughs> by Amy and Tony or Tony and Amy. Uh, however, you happen to see them on your screen. I'm not sure if it records on the same one that I am seeing. And... We are joined today by Dr. Danielle Ventinen. How are you today? I'm fabulous. And I, I think that you guys should make like uh, a combined name of Tammy or <laughs> <laughs> I can't think of the other one. <laughs> That's too so much, it's too much like my name. <laughs> <laughs> They right before you got into the room, Amy, they were asking me about my beverage that I'm drinking, which is coffee, and they're getting yeah. on me for drinking it uh, so late because it is 8 p.m. at the time of recording this. And first off, judgy. Uh, secondly, all right, I was I took a good solid, and this is what I wanted to start talking about today. I took a good solid nap before this, like a solid like one hour. -er. I don't know what happened. I've hit I hit the age of like thirty, and now I can't eat dinner and stay awake for the rest of the evening. <laughs> Have kids. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Right. So like so like I'll eat, and then I just need to like either lay down and or sleep for like a half hour to an hour. And but now when an alarm goes off in that evening time, so right before it woke me up for this, um, my heart rate spikes. 
Like I wake up and it's just like a jump scare. I have no idea what's going on or whatever. Um, so I thought oh. to calm my heart rate for this podcast, would, I would drink, drink coffee. coffee. Yeah, I, yeah, exactly. I, I would recommend seeing a doctor soon as well. <laughs> You're too I, to have this condition. I second <laughs> Tony. <laughs> Whether it be a, yeah. a GP or a psychiatrist, one, <laughs> one or the other. No, I, got, I. I'm so with you. I, I'm not drinking any, any caffeinated stuff right now, but, uh, I'm usually drinking some matcha at night. Um, because as, because I have, I still have a lesson after this <laughs> in Malaysia. <laughs> I was going to say, so where is this lesson at that you're it's teaching? It's in so? Malaysia on Saturday morning. It's a Saturday what? morning lesson. That is. <laughs> what, what is the hour difference right now? Uh, 12. Oh, perfect. So I, yeah, so it's a Saturday morning lesson at 9.30. It's great. I think it would be a great prop for you to have behind you of just like a world map and with a pen in it or like a like a, with a little oh, yeah. that just, well, yeah, that just, yeah, that just like Traveling shows here. everywhere that you're teaching people at. If I'm, if I'm teaching, if I'm teaching online and uh, I don't want to finish teaching at a normal time, I just go to a different time zone. It works. <laughs> So I, have you, I do have, yeah, yeah. Have you always been doing, have you always been teaching like that? Or was it one of those kind of like blessings of the pandemic that kind of brought this around? Right. I just discovered it. Like, and so when I was online, I was teaching online and then um, I was teaching from like 5.30 to like 7.30 because then my boys were going to bed and I was like, I can't have, I can't have students over in like the garage with socially distanced lessons and while the boys are trying to sleep so then I I just started reaching out and figuring out how to line up some more students from you know I just back up so I just go I go west (laughs) 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 and there there are people and and there's some music theory students in there and that works really well for at night because you know you don't have to play that works so so how many Amy how many students are you teaching outside of the U.S. right now um, I have a, I have a theory student, um, who's one-on-one. I have, I have a student in Malaysia. I have a few in California that California works really pretty well. Cause it's just a little bit later, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, I have a theory class now of, too. of what? In California is hardly the U S anymore. So <laughs> just no, give it I, a few more years. Break <laughs> off. <laughs> some theory students out in California you know um so it's turned into something and I'm like I'm kind of I'm just kind of going with it you know awesome grass and theory yeah yeah dang who would have thought I would have I would have never have thought like a year ago that (laughs) that I'd be teaching teaching people euphonium from wherever but here we are so, so the, the theory portion has really taken off as well. The theory thing has taken off. I have, I have a student who's 10 and we are, we are in the college, uh, theory textbook. He's fantastic. <laughs> like, you know, and it's, and it's so, it's so fun. Cause you know, like at the end of my day, I get to teach this kid and I just talk about a concept. And then like, I started reviewing it the next 
the next week and he just like spewed everything back right at me like <laughs> like okay I guess we don't have to review so it's you know fantastic what I, you know what I was doing at 10 probably covered in dirt somewhere yeah just, like rolling yeah. around on the floor <laughs> yeah I'm I yeah totally so when so we we've all shifted you know into such an electronic sphere and now we're mm-hmm. kind of shifting back like I know I've been to a couple of rehearsals. Amy, we talked last last time about you doing some rehearsals. Like everybody, like we're kind of getting into it. Um, so what has I, I wanted to, I wanted to chat a little bit because I was I was talking to a student about this and we were talking about um, I don't know if you guys have seen the I think it's the Whitburn band. They had that fantastic euphonium duet that came out that won that Corey thing and it had so much really good production value in it. I'll link it to the description of this video for those of you who haven't seen it. Um, it's brilliant. They do it like an old timey thing. It's hilarious. It's really, really cute. Um, and then that leads to a discussion of like, well, uh, these virtual competitions have actually been a little bit of a hit with a lot of people, especially if you have people in your band who can pull off those video things. Um, and uh, Danielle, like we we're, we're going to be talking about how you kind of have started a band here recently, but mm-hmm. almost every single concert you've done at that university has been because you essentially, you know, have the means for production and have mm-hmm. all that stuff that you can set up. Um, and so I was curious, do you, what do, what is everybody thinking about when it comes to like, I don't think that in-person conference style competitions or events like that are ever going to go away. I think we like them too much. I think they're always going to be a thing, but what do we think about the addition to, uh, the world of brass banding and having virtual competitions and the limits of people who of bands that like might have production capabilities versus those who don't. I I actually think that that we're going to live in a world of hybrids now mm-hmm. where we're going to we're going to incorporate you know online or or video type competitions and performance um, but I think that the real trick of it is going to be that bands have to be performing live again in person so that they can be recorded that way and record that and then send those in. I think editing the videos together um, when everyone's recorded in separate rooms, I don't think any, I don't think that's going to be a fad that keeps going. I think that was a necessity to get people through, but it's not fun. And I don't think that really replicates the reason why we all do music to begin with, which is to get that communication with other people. So I, I think that, you know, we definitely will, you know, in, incorporate that. And, and I've got some ideas about things that, that can happen where we can still do those things, even as far as NAB is concerned, where we can, um, where we can involve recording, um, recording events as well as live events. That's, that's, that's my take on it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I think I, uh, overall, I think I agree with Tony to some extent. Well, and it, it's funny that you mentioned like you don't like the whole, and I think this might come a little bit from you being um, on the more of the director side of the brass banding world, because for me as a player, you sending me a part and saying, hey, record yourself, like as though I don't, as, as much as I don't like it, I'm like, okay, cool. I can work on my own time and I can get it done, but it does take away the input of the director as well as the sonic input. And that kind of leaves it up to, I guess, the production person to turn people up and down or all that sort of thing. But if like in my recording, my vibrato is too much and Tony hates it in that recording, there's nothing he can do about it at that point. Um, there's very little I can do about it live too in person. So, you know, <laughs> 
<laughs> What's the same way? Just you turn know? the the Aaron dial down. Uh. <laughs> Stop that! <laughs> well, I wanted to be known that I've never been told that my vibrato is too much. I have actually been told by people in this room to turn it up more. <laughs> I, I will admit there was one time. <laughs> one time. <laughs> well, we we did two videos with the Triangle Brass Band, and and uh, I'm not even in them. You know, it was a completely, it was a completely direct directorless project. Yeah. Um, you know, other than just managing emails and getting them to the editor and things like that, it's there's nothing for me to do. Um, it's kind of silly too, like just having that one person in the square in the middle directing the audience. I guess like it's, it's all for show. It's all for show. Um, and some of them have been great. You know, I've really enjoyed the Corey band recordings where Philip is up there. You know, doing Philip. And it's, and it's entertaining to watch because he's always engaging to watch, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, there, there really is no purpose for that because everyone's playing to a click track. Right. I will well, say I, there was there was that virtual Surtec thing that we did like very early in the beginning of the pandemic and we got sent a conductor mm. to to play t with in a way. And I did like that a lot. That was really cool to have that. As opposed yeah. to a click track, we had a conductor to play with. That yeah. that would never watch work. Nobody would have watched. So <laughs> I don't know Good how point. I don't know how you got that to work. I, I, I think I think in order for those conductor videos to work, they should all be turned with their backs to the audience because that's what <laughs> all they see anyway. So you just turn them around and <laughs> Do you, do you think about that when you're like looking at yourself in a mirror before you go and you do a concert you're like okay at this you go call your like your spouse and like hey honey how's my, how's my backside how does look? look how does this move look there was when the last naba i did with gareth <laughs> i didn't mean him to take it personally but he or not personally but he took it to heart his suit whatever suit he was wearing for i think whatever the first night is i think that's choice I think first night's choice, um, whichever one, whichever one was the first night, he was conducting and whatever blazer he had on was just swish, 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 swish the whole time. <laughs> and so we were out, we were out at dinner afterwards and I was like, hey, I could hear you more than I could see you of your conducting. And so he completely like changed his outfit entirely <laughs> just because of that. And I was like, I didn't mean it was fine. I'm sorry. Like he took it so much to heart. That's awesome. Um, and that, that, so Daniel, the, the UF brass band, that first concert just aired. Yeah. Well, so I, I was going to kind of come back to the, the video idea. And I, I think it's like, I think it's an awesome outlet, you know, I mean, the way that we did it, we, we recorded everybody and, and videotaped them and then took segments of that and put it into a concert. So it's not like the, the, um, you know, the, the virtual choirs that, that you're seeing, but I, I do think that to some extent, the, the idea of mass recording is still going to continue on, but I, I, I you know, I, I almost question whether or not it's going to be appropriate for something like NABA because then you would have to guarantee that everybody has the same equipment and the same kind of space available and the same kind of yada 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 you know it's just like it's it's really hard to manage something like that we just had a concert air with UF brass band and it's 
Um, it's more of an American style brass band because we are using F horns instead of E flat alto horns, um, just because we don't have the instruments available. And um, we did it so that we would rehearse every week. We were, you know, very lucky that that we actually got to rehearse in person at UF. And this was not just the brass band. This was every large ensemble got to rehearse in person, which is, it, it's very uncommon throughout the country. Um, but we just had the space available to do that and the, you know, the appropriate equipment to do that. So we were very lucky in that, in that front, but yeah, we, we like, you know, the concert, it wasn't as exciting as a normal concert, but it's nice now because we have this, this high production video, you know, of the brass band. I mean, we are spaced out at 10, eight, like 10 foot spacing increments. So it's not realistic at all, <laughs> but I mean, you do what you, you, you know, you, you make it work. And, um, yeah, for, for it being its first concert, I, I think all things considered it, it was, it, it went off pretty well, but, um, I definitely cannot wait until we can sit closely again and not be scared because that that is so stressful you know what I mean I was like it was so crazy we were in a rehearsal one time they're like oh Dr. V what do you want to do about mutes and I'm like oh god <laughs> of course right <laughs> I don't know <laughs> you try know, your like, best <laughs> yes yeah. do I, it I, I, <laughs> I've actually liked like the, the social distancing for rehearsals for one fact is that it forced everybody to listen better to everybody. So yeah. Farther apart from everybody. It's like, well, well, I can't hear so-and-so. And I'm like, listen harder. You know, <laughs> like you, you're not always going to be able to control your environment, but if you can hear people when you're sitting that much further away from them, think how much easier it's going to be when you're sitting right on top of them. Yeah. So I think it's, it's actually, you know, it's been a good thing to try to play together as an ensemble when you're taking up double the space that you usually take up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's there's a, go ahead, Aaron. Sorry. There, so there's this thing too with brass band. So as somebody who grew up in wind band world and euphonium and you get that like Eastman, Eastman style euphonium section where you are spread out from everybody because you're kind of on an island, you know, kind of there in the middle, somewhere beside French horns, kind of beside saxophones, but I'm already four feet away from the second euphonium anyway, like as it is in a normal world. And then you go into a brass band for the first time. And I remember sitting sec second baritone and having Ryan Steez and I just like, um, we could be hugging. It was about the same thing. We were right <laughs> on top of each other because everybody likes to be really, 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 really tight. Um, and I kind of like the teaching that it has done. Um, and it also had made it so that when I do this, the next time we get into a rehearsal together, people aren't going to look at me where it'd be like, listen, I just like my space. I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not a small person by any means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I do think there are have been some like blessings. I'm going to say this very carefully, but blessings in disguise with the with the pandemic. You know, it it has kind of to some extent forced us to think outside of the box and use resources that we didn't think we had available to us, which is really awesome. But then also, you know, to what Tony was saying, like the students are forced, forced to listen more intently, um, almost to their, 
it's almost doing them a disservice because they're listening and they're not paying attention to the conductor. And so there's like this, this weird kind of gray area now that I think, honestly, as soon as we get to be able to be closer, it's going to just completely disappear. And you're going to have these players that are able to listen more intently across the, any ensemble that they're in. Um, and because we're recording so much more, they, they're forced to listen back, which is kind of awesome. You know, it's like, yeah. oh, record yourself. That's the only way to make it work. And they're like, ugh, you know, it's kind of nice. I don't know. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. There, there are some, some definite blessings in disguise, you know, and, and we rehearse in a picnic shelter, which is fairly boomy. Um, mm. You know, with more, more, more boomy than just about any hall that we'll ever play in. So, you know, so sound is bouncing around and it's, it, you really have to, to listen and, and isolate what you're supposed to be listening to, you know, a little bit more carefully. You know, and when things start to go awry, you know, like we were doing Night Templar and there was a part where this band went, start, went at this tempo, this one slowed down and went at this tempo. And I'm like right in the middle. And they're like, well, I went with you. I was like, I didn't know where I was, man. I was like, you guys went somewhere. You guys went somewhere. I didn't know who to go with. So I just figured we'd just stop. <laughs> you know, but, it, but, it, but, you know, I was like, I was just wondering when y'all were going to notice that we weren't together, <laughs> you know? So, so we have to, you know, you have to, you really have to, to, to figure out how to listen better, which when we do get back inside and we do get into a concert hall that may not be something that we're used to, you know, we're, we're trained to listen, you know, to, to certain parts and, and to hear certain things a different way. And hopefully, you know, that skill transpires or, or continues into the normal rehearsal when we get back to normal. Yeah. Amy, so, you're, you're playing in another brass band, right? Now that you're- I, I don't know what I'm doing right now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I played- I, I sat in a Dublin Metro uh, okay. rehearsal, uh, kind of for the fun of it, um, and uh, I, I deposited one of my students in into that ensemble, um, and and got the the brass band bug to bite him. So that's good. Um, good place for him. Um, and, uh, then I, I, we played a Dublin cornet band rehearsal outside, um, with like a third of us, uh, yesterday. I, I don't, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know. I've kind of just said, I'm going to play and I'm going to get used to the new, the, the scene in, in my new old city. Um, and, and just kind of, I don't know, because none of the, none of the brass bands are really up and, and running. Uh, that, that, that was my question was, you know, how are you guys doing that up there? Um, I think Dublin is, I heard Dublin is starting up in June. Um, and so I could sit in on a rehearsal with them and I head out for Athena. Um, and then, um, I think Brass Band of Columbus, I heard, is is waiting until like September. Wow. And I don't know what's happening with Cobb right now. Um, I haven't heard any kind of startup date from them. Um, so I, I don't really know how I'm going to fit into the scene 
yet. <laughs> I'm just kind of, I figure I, you know, I'll, I'll play and get to know people and, and see where, see where I end up. I don't really know. I don't know where I'll be playing or what I'll be doing. It's kind of a really weird thing. Cause like we moved over a year ago at this point, right. you know, we went through that, that weird, that weird, you know, moving during a pandemic, um, which I would not recommend. Um, and, um, so we've kind of settled, um, into, into our new area and stuff. And, and, but I haven't, we haven't like gone out and like done things yet. So now when we add in, you know, gigs and rehearsals and stuff, we have to figure all that out. So I don't know, I don't know who I'll be playing with or, or what I'll be doing. Um, and I, I guess I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna let this take me where it takes me. I don't really know yet. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I was, Start I was one. a little, yeah, it was, it was a little, it was, it was a little bit, um, it was a little bit emotional after last night's rehearsal, because on one hand, I was so excited to get back and rehearse with people and play my horn around people and, and, you know, and have that, that group um, feeling. And then at the end of rehearsal, when everyone got together and they were like, oh, it's so great to be back. I missed you so much. And I'm like, I don't know any of these people. <laughs> I'm like standing there awkwardly and like, okay, I guess I'm, I guess I'm gonna head home. Nice playing with you guys, bye. <laughs> but in your in your situation, not knowing everybody and being in that being thrown into that is a very good thing, because eventually they will become people you know. Yes, yes, so and that, and they were very friendly, and I'm sure I'll get to know them very very soon. But it was just kind of like, it was just kind of awkward because it was like I left, I you know when I left Rowan, I literally like I I just had a feeling that I was never going to be back, so I emptied out my office. They hadn't shut everything down yet. It was just going to be a two week. Uh, it was, they were just extending spring break, but I was just like, this doesn't feel right. I'm just going to empty everything out. And one of my students helped me empty everything out and load it in my car. And that was that, that was, that was it. So, you know, there was no, there was no farewell. I didn't say goodbye to anyone um, back there. No, I said, I said goodbye to one person because the, the, um, one of the people who works at Rowan lives really close by. So when we were leaving the house, I called him up and I was like, I know we should be socially distancing, but can you just come and like take a picture of us, you know, like standing in front of the house and then you can just like text it to us. And so we, we did that. So I got to say goodbye, got to say goodbye to Joe Higgins. Um, and that was, that was it. Wow. <laughs> so it was really um, we haven't been back. And when, when I left the house, I didn't even know that I was leaving the house. I thought I'd be back. But then we thought if both of us go back to the house, if both of us, if both uh, my husband and I go back to the house, we, we vacated and went to my parents' house because COVID was really bad in New Jersey. Um, we just got out. And um, so then we, my husband and I were planning on going back and emptying things out, but we couldn't do that because we were afraid that if both of us went, and we got sick, then, then our kids are going to be alone with my parents for two plus weeks. 
um, which would have been longer than they'd, they'd ever been there. So I ended up staying with my parents, with the boys. And then my husband went and did it himself. Oh. And so we couldn't get some things like packed up. So he just took a saw to some of our bedroom furniture because <laughs> we couldn't get it. It was on the third floor. And it was like, we can't get it out. We couldn't get it out. Like, even if we had lots of people, we'd have to have like movers. And so we couldn't get it out. And so, you know, this craziness. So we finally made it here. We still don't have bedroom furniture. It's a year later. Um, but, you know, long story short, now I have to, after moving a year ago, now I have to see where I fit into the scene in, in Columbus. Uh so when does the bliss ba- brass band start then? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't know what I, I don't know. I said I, I, I love to, I'd love to, to get to do something more than than just play in the area. I mean, um, I was, I was pretty involved out with the Atlantic uh, kind of. Uh, I don't know what to call it, but you know, with the youth brass band and the college brass band and playing in Atlantic you know, um, so I'd really like to do some, something out here. I just don't know. I don't know where I fit in yet. I'm just kind of just taking it for, you know, taking a ride and just going, okay, we're just going to see where this takes me and we're just going to go. I I don't really know. It's unreal. Well, if you you need suggestion on how to start a brass band in the pandemic, we have someone who we can ask. Yeah. Yeah. uh Yeah. Good transition (laughs) me. So Danielle, you started a brass band in the pandemic. Um, what was, how was that? How was, how was starting a brand new one? Not only just during everything, but also at the university in general, do they understand that it is a British brass band now that there's been a concert? You know, it's, it's funny because (laughs) I, I remember like one of the first, cause you know, working in a university, you have to get permissions from everybody because it could conflict with so many different elements and you don't want it to do that. You want it to be something that betters the students overall schedule and their experience in, in ensembles. But um, I just remember somebody saying to me that they're like, Oh, brass band. Yeah. I remember hearing one of those. It's like a marching band. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> um no but it's like what do you say to that <laughs> like not really but I, we're getting there you know it's like um yeah I mean a, a lot of people in this area shockingly did not have the slightest clue what a traditional brass band was and they still don't I don't think because they didn't get to experience it in person so they're just like, oh, it's large brass, you know, because like when we were recording, I mean, we were in this massive band hall with two camera angles that showed each camera showed like a third of the band, both, t- you know, in two different angles. So it was like, you you know, you make it work. But um, yeah, it was hard to start because people didn't understand what it was. Even the players, you know, I was I was like the semester before I remember going to each brass studio and just saying, Hey, there's going to be this brass band starting next semester, you know, spread it around. And the professors were, were awesome and so supportive. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I I sent it to my students, but there was no bite at first. And it was just like, 
I don't think they understood what it was. I thought they, I think they kind of like took it as like, oh, it's a brass ensemble, you know, kind of like we're going to play a whole bunch of Gabrielli. That's <laughs> Gabrielli all day. Like, I, I think almost that's kind of what was going on in their head. They're just like, I don't know. This seems really lame. And um, so I, I mean, I, at one point I, you know, I was, I was like tallying up the numbers. I'm like, man, we're going to need a crap ton more cornets. What is going on? You know, you'd think that there was going to be this huge amount of interest um, judging off of, you know, the conversations I was having with the trumpet professor. And it got to the point where I literally sent like this invitation to the university list serve. And I don't know if you guys are familiar with like UF in general and, and the kind of students, like these students are ridiculously high achieving students. They're just, it's, I've never experienced these type of students before academically. And so I was getting this, I would get these emails like, oh, I'm a PhD student in neurobiology and I would like to play cornet in your brass band. And I'm like, awesome. all right, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yep, sure. And, and it was just like, I was getting these emails just when, and they finally came in and it was just like, and it was primarily cornet players. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a major in the, um, uh, aerospace something center. And, 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 uh, if you need a flugelhorn player, <laughs> like, <laughs> So, so the band was made up of mostly non-majors? Well, the cornet section was. <laughs> the cornet section was. And um, the rest, I mean, you know, being the low brass professor, I, I had two-fourths of the ensemble or like, a, <laughs> a, you know, I'm like, all right, you're doing it and you're doing it. And, you know, <laughs> that's just how it's going to be. And then um, the other, it's oddly enough, the other section was the trombone section. I had two people that were not even part of the university playing. They had just graduated the year before um, just to get people in the group. And so this first year, I mean, I had to be wicked lenient about that stuff because nobody knew what it was. They had no idea. And then, no. then they, we, you know, we had the first rehearsal and they're like, oh, okay. And then I, I distinctly remember there was one rehearsal. So our first concert, we played Hymn of the Highlands or this, this concert we played, our, our big piece was Hymn of the Highlands. And I remember the first time they got through the entire piece during the rehearsal and everybody was like hooting and hollering. They're like, whoa, that was awesome. And I was like, that's brass band. Yeah. That's what that feels like. Where you feel like every single bit of energy that you're putting into the horn is reciprocated and it's awesome you know reciprocated and, uh, and allowed it's you have yeah, permission well, to play yeah and that was the other thing i i uh like i mentioned before that i, I am using f horns and <laughs> as much as i would like to play use e flat alto horns these horn players that we have are monsters and they make it sound like they're not even playing on F horns. It's unreal. I mean, each one of them is like a master's or DMA student and they're just making it sound like it's the easiest E flat alto horn part in their life. 
and it's 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 just like it's killer because I just I can see where we could be in five years if 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 this just keeps this this excitement keeps going um but it took it took a lot of poking and prodding at the start like it was I didn't think it would you know because I grew up I learned euphonium and brass band so it was like that's you know that's where you learn euphonium at is in brass band so then I it's just like in my head it was this idea of it it's natural to kind of gravitate towards that, but it is totally not, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? It doesn't surprise me at all that it, that people around there haven't heard of it because that part of Florida, you don't hear of being a hotbed of brass banding at all. So it's it's gonna be a, you know, an educational thing all around yeah. um, to get to get people there to, to know what it what it is. And, I, and I, I hope that it becomes a trend where universities start brass bands um, you know, at the university as university curriculum, because it's probably the best training you can give for brass players um, at that level. Yeah. Um, and and that would be get be reciprocated by the trumpet players being better in wind ensemble and orchestra and and yeah. horn players and such. So, you know, it's like if you're using it as a training ensemble, you know, for for even just for technique you know, it would be something that would be really beneficial to everybody's development on that level. So I hope it becomes a trend. Yeah, I, I, I agree, Tony. It's, it's just like, it, I mean, one of the common, common comments I received was, I've never played this many notes in ever, you know, I've, I've never played this many notes this fast in any ensemble combined. Like, I just never, I, I didn't do that. And it's, and it's, we should be playing that that way, you know, and we should be training them to do that, which, cause it's like, we're almost hindering their, their future goal by, by playing this repertoire that makes them play whole notes all day, you know? Yeah. I, I, I love talking about how the way that, that wind band grades their literature, it's one, two, three, four, five, and everything else. Yeah. So, <laughs> You know, so you're a tuba player that plays great whole notes and quarter notes up through grade five and for some of grade six literature, but then your band director throws 1812 overture in front of you. And you've like, now you have a whole page of 16th notes. And as yeah. a tuba player, you've never seen anything like that. And you're like, wait a minute, this is a grade six? I, I played grade five, but we've never seen anything like this. You yeah. know, because grade six is everything that's harder than five. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so... You know, and brass band gets you a little bit closer, you know, a little bit closer to that, especially if you get to the more advanced literature. You know, yeah. most of the youth band literature, like if you're playing music that was written for younger bands, um, it's harder to get that. It's it, it has the same problem that wind band literature has. But um, one of the things we've always done with our youth program here is we never played that literature. We always played just regular brass band literature and pushed the challenges you know, as much as we could. So they're, you know, they're all getting their tails handed to them every, every rehearsal because they're yeah. chasing it every time and they, and they love the, the chase, you know, that's what they love. Yeah. Yeah. It's like an adrenaline rush. It's, it's funny. Cause like, so my, my wife is actually the one that, that did the producing of our brass band audio and video. And, um, she's a percussionist and, and conductor. And, and I was, I was telling her, I was like, listen, let's start a youth brass band in this area 
in in this county like let's just start one and she was like you know i'll you know let's have you direct it and we'll we'll get funding for it whatever the community will support it because like we have some in north central florida i mean there are just some awesome players especially in in the youth sections like there are just some awesome players that can just play circles around people um and they're not being pushed enough they're just not you know and i i think i think something like that could so just open up so many more doors i think i don't know yeah oh go ahead aaron sorry yeah no i i we talked about it a little bit i think like in our introductory episode the first our first episode we were talking about how like um I could always tell when I went to local, like I was adjudicating marching band in the, in the Shenandoah Valley area. And you could always tell the bands that had kids who participated in the local youth brass band, because not only would the trumpet players not mind playing runs or licks or whatever, but they also sounded really good when they were playing it as well. Um, and the, the sound concept in the brass in general, you could just tell like the, that Rockingham County group that's near the Massanutten Youth Brass Band, you could just tell that those kids were just built different because they had been exposed to different things, um, you know, jokingly, but seriously enough where like, you know, the hardest thing that they had ever played was not necessarily, you know, Lincolnshire Posey. Right. What was, Aaron, when you were, when you were in or when you were in that area, what was the youngest student? What age was the youngest student in the Massanutten Youth Brass Band? I want to say he would take a couple eighth graders. It wasn't a lot of them, but he would take a few eighth graders. And then he would go up. Um, there were a, a few of the people who like auditioned and just didn't make the JMU Brass Band that would play in there as well. But he would also use it as like a teaching opportunity for them. So they would like lead sectionals and he wouldn't necessarily put like the 20 year olds on like first parts or anything like that um but it was it was like training like oh this french horn person wants to eventually play tenor horn in, in the jmu brass band so they would play tenor horn in there and then also help out people and learn how to use their right hand and stuff so it was an educational thing for the college people as well but also like they got to lead sectionals like like joel and i would lead sectionals as students for all those people mm -hmm. um you know, so it, it, it went out beyond there too. So it, it helped out the college as well. But yeah, I want to say eighth graders, there might've been the, the estranged somebody else. And I just don't know off the top of my head. Um, how many, where, where does your cutoff? Cause tri Triangle has a youth band, right? Three, three. Youth <laughs> we have a, a few. Get out of here, Tony. Get. What is, what is a group of, would we say a gaggle of youth brass bands? Yeah, I was about a, to murder, say, yeah. a murder. A murder. A murder of youth brass bands. Yeah. Yeah. How many, so what's your age? Do you have like age brackets per brass band or is it audition and you can fill it's, it out that way? Or It's auditioned and they're placed by skill, um, but we market it to high school students only. Um, and we don't per se market towards middle schoolers but every once in a while you'll get an all-stater that'll be like hey i want to play in that and and you know we won't we won't turn them away um you know if they're if they're in the eighth grade and we feel like they can go and we just don't market towards middle schoolers so we don't get a lot of them mm. but we don't we don't we don't really we try to do brass band for the masses we don't really turn a lot of kids away um it's, you're you're pulling from a lot of larger metropolitan areas too well, right? the raleigh durham the raleigh area i mean we're pulling from wake county and really we're pulling mostly from Cary. 
you know, there's, you know, there's 22 high schools in Wake County, and we really only get participation from half of those into the youth band. You know, it's, yeah. it's a, it's, it's, it's something that I don't really understand why, you know, you, you can't tell me that there's not one good brass player in every single high school in Wake County, but, you know, they just, you know, they just don't participate. And a lot of it is because, you know, Wake County is so big, it's 60 some miles all the way across Wake County. So, you know, and it's not a traffic area. Like when you grow up in DC, you traveling 40 minutes somewhere is nothing because that's everywhere. But around here, if you have to go past the airport, nah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not, we're not doing that. Um, you know, but the program, you know, the, the program is, has just grown. In 2001, when I became the director, there was there were 17 kids in the band um and you know i recruited for the band in january by saying hey we're going to go to washington dc for for a brass band competition you want to join the band and i just went straight down the all district list and two weeks later i had 45 kids in the band and we and we went on a trip and you know so i i actually tell everybody so i built the triangle youth brass band program by attending naba because once those kids went to NAB and heard all those other bands, it was over with. You know, the mm -hmm. second year I did it, we went to Cincinnati and those kids heard the brass band of Battle Creek play the most bad, crazy ass concert that I've ever <laughs> heard. It was amazing. Um, you know, and then and it was hooked and it just went went from there. And, and you know, the band just kept getting bigger and I was, you know, I was teetering between, you know, 45 and 55 players in one band. You know, and it just got, it's like, wow, if we just, you know, and I, but I was turning away 20 kids at the auditions every year. So mm -hmm. finally, I was just thinking, well, if we don't turn any of these kids away we, and we split them up, we can have two bands. So then we split up into, into two bands. Um, and then that went for a while. And then in 2016, the Corey band came to town and did a concert here. And it seemed like every band dork in the uh, area went to that concert. And we had so many kids sign up for the youth band auditions that year that we started a third band out of it. Rather than turning That's people awesome. away, we were just like, hey, let's just start another band. And we we literally split, just found a way to make that happen. You know, so, you know, so it's, you know, once you get it going and the kids get hooked on it, it's 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 gonna it's gonna grow and it's gonna be big. Do you direct all of those? No, I, I have to direct <laughs> He goes, no. <laughs> I've never seen his eyes so big in my life. No, I, so, so I did the youth band from 2001 to 2013. And between 2008 and 13, I was doing the youth band and the Triangle Brass Band. So in 2013, I passed on the youth band program over to Jesse Rackley, who's doing it now. Uh, he was doing the second band, uh, you know, while I was doing the, doing the top band. And um, when we started that third band, I co-directed that year with the person that's doing it now, Robin Gorham, um, just simply because we, it was a last minute thing. It was like, we get into September and it's like, well, we need to start another band. Who's going to direct it? <laughs> and Robin was like, well, I, I can do it some. And I was like, look, I'll do some too. You're like, I'll do it half time. And we, you know, that band went to NABA that year and um, you know, so, I mean, we had a good start on it. Then the next year, Robin was able to take it over full time. So I could step, step back and not, and not do it. But, you know, I absolutely love youth band. It's something that I absolutely believe in. And I think that every brass band should have a youth component to it, um, all across, you know, so that's something that, that I know we're going to be talking a lot about on, on the NABA board for the next couple of years is, is how do we invigorate the youth band programs, 
in this country because that's really that's our future but it's also such a great thing you get a kid interested in brass band and they're going to be hooked on it you know <laughs> yeah well, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to poke your your brain a little bit about that at some point because we're that's the next step for Tampa is we want to start ours as soon as possible because yeah. we're in a giant we're in gigantic metropolitan area with you know every marching band is 200 people big so yeah. I'm sure I can get two from most of the high schools in the general area. Well, uh, so. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. But you know the, the the cool thing is is that in the Triangle Brass Band now I would say that there's at any given time seven to ten former youth band players from our youth program that are playing in the, the adult triangle brass band now. So it's, that, you know, that. after, after two decades, 25 years of it, you know, those players have gone on to college, studied music, gotten real jobs and are now, you know, just playing in brass band for the fun of it, you know? So it's, and, and, and they were in the youth band when I was directing it. So they, they knew exactly what I was looking for from them. So it works out really well. That doesn't shock me at all. It's like, once, once you get that brass band drug, you just can't, you know, it's mm -hmm. that, it's that, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's. Well, and that's what we kind of want to do as educators too. Cause I, I tell a lot of my kids, cause I, you know, I've got about 20 to 30 high school, middle school kids at any given time. And like, I'm not trying to turn them all into, you know, music performance and music education majors necessarily. I just want to make sure that they're lifelong musicians in some way, shape or form. So, and it sounds like that program in a lot of ways is doing it. They're staying involved, even if they're a dentist, but they play cornet on Wednesday nights or whatever. And that's, you know, that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. yeah. I like, I like to, to make sure that, that, that kids become lifelong consumers of music if they don't continue performing in it, you know, you know, cause that's how we're going to perpetuate our profession is that somebody has got to buy it you know, at some point, you know, you know, so if, yeah, you know, they perform it and they, they, they stay involved in community bands, it's a constant, you know, ingraining of that message, like keep going with this, you know, you don't have to, you know, study this and make it your profession, but I can tell you, you'll have a lot of great experiences if you continue on with it, you know, and yeah. that's really what it's about, yeah. you know, I mean, I think about all the experiences I had in college just because I played in college band, you know, even if I wasn't studying it, but the but the the college marching band was the most fun that I've ever had in my life, and I got to go a lot of places because of that. You know, you go to a big a big sports school, and that's just going to give you a lot of memories if you can remember them. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> that right, almost well, went go... right past me. <laughs> almost. <laughs> almost. <laughs> it's because we weren't in the tuba section. That's why we didn't think that way. <laughs> I, I <was> <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well we're gonna go ahead and wrap, and wrap this one up hey daniel thank you so much for joining our, our round chat and talking yeah, with us yeah. a little bit it was really nice i'm upset that we didn't see a cat this go around um but hey. there's always more opportunities for that <laughs> always <laughs> <laughs> well hey yeah. thank you all so much for joining us for this one um and uh we'll see you on the next one